Principles of Economics, my complete guide to understanding economics, is now available in hardcover, audiobook, and ebook from safeddean.com, Amazon, and many more booksellers worldwide. And now, I am also teaching a course based on this book on my website, safeddean.com. Principles of Economics will run the whole academic year, from September to June, and will have a new lecture every two weeks, as well as weekly live online discussion seminars open to learners from all over the world and from all walks of life. Whether you're a student, a professional, or a retiree, you are making economic decisions every day, and this course will arm you with the wisdom of centuries of economists to improve your economic decision-making. You'll also get a free book of Principles of Economics if you sign up for the course. Go to safeddean.com and sign up now. The Bitcoin Standard Podcast is brought to you by Orange Pill App, the Bitcoin-only social network that connects you with high-signal Bitcoiners, events, and now merchants as well. If you're like me and can't stop talking about Bitcoin, you know how challenging it can be to talk to the no-coiners and how nice it is to talk to someone who gets you. With the Orange Pill app, you can find the Bitcoiners near you and they can replace the no-coiners in your life. You can organize events and meetups with local Bitcoiners and wherever you travel, you can meet up with local Bitcoiners all while being as anonymous as you like. So if you want to build your local network of Bitcoiners, find a Bitcoin meetup or merchants accepting Bitcoin, head over to orangepillapp.com to sign up or download the app from the App Store or Google Play Store and send me a DM so we can get connected. The Bitcoin Standard Podcast is brought to you by CoinKite. CoinKite are my favorite makers of Bitcoin hardware. They produce the legendary Open Dime, the first Bitcoin bearer asset, as well as the reliable cold card hardware wallet, the excellent stainless steel seed plates for storing your seed phrases, and the block clock. Now, CoinKite have produced the SATS card, a card the size of a credit card which can store Bitcoin and works great as a gift. CoinKite have just produced a limited edition gorgeous Bitcoin Standard SATS card, which carries the Bitcoin Standard logo, and you can get it from coinkite.shop slash Bitcoin Standard. Use the code Bitcoin Standard to get 5% off your purchase. This podcast is also brought to you by the Bitcoin Way, your professional Bitcoin IT team offering you personalized, secure, and comprehensive solutions for every step along your Bitcoin journey. The Bitcoin Way offer live concierge service to guide you with your Bitcoin cold storage, running your node, privacy best practices, inheritance planning, corporate strategy, and multi-sig solutions. They don't touch your coins, they guide you through the process of acquiring your coins and securing them. If you'd like to make your setup safer and more reliable, book a consult with them and see what they have to suggest. If you want to give someone the gift of Bitcoin, get them this professional service that will ensure they start off knowing exactly how to manage their coins and not lose them. Go to thebitcoinway.com and start Bitcoining more confidently. August 6, 1915, His Majesty's Government issued this appeal. In view of the importance of strengthening the gold reserves of the country for exchange purposes, the Treasury have instructed the Post Office and all public departments charged with the duty of making cash payments to use notes instead of gold coins whenever possible. The public generally are earnestly requested in the national interest to cooperate with the Treasury in this policy by one, paying in gold to the post office and to the banks. 2. Asking for payment of checks in notes rather than gold. And 3. Using notes rather than gold for payment of wages and cash disbursements generally. 
With this obscure and largely forgotten announcement, the Bank of England effectively began the global monetary system's move away from a gold standard in which all government and bank obligations were redeemable in physical gold. At the time, gold coins and bars were still widely used worldwide, but they were of limited use for international trade, which necessitated resorting to the clearance mechanisms of international banks. Chief among all banks at the time, the Bank of England's network spanned the globe, and its pound sterling had for centuries acquired the reputation of being as good as gold. Instead of the predictable and reliable stability naturally provided by gold, the new global monetary standard was built around government rules, hence its name. The Latin word fiat means let it be done, and in English has been adopted to mean a formal decree, authorization, or rule. It's an apt term for the current monetary standard as what distinguishes it most is that it substitutes government dictates for the judgment of the market. Value on fiat's base layer is not based on a freely traded physical commodity, but is instead dictated by authority, which can control its issuance, supply, clearance, and settlement, and even confiscate it at any time it sees fit. With the move to fiat, Peaceful exchange on the market no longer determined the value and choice of money. Instead, it was the victors of world wars and the gyrations of international geopolitics that would dictate the choice and value of the medium that constitutes one half of every market transaction. While the 1915 Bank of England announcement and others like it at the time were assumed to be temporary emergency measures necessary to fight the Great War, today, more than a century later, the Bank of England is yet to resume the promised redemption of its notes in gold. Temporary arrangements restricting note convertibility into gold have turned into the permanent financial infrastructure of the fiat system that took off over the next century. Never again would the world's predominant monetary systems be based on currencies fully redeemable in gold. The above decree might be considered the equivalent of Satoshi Nakamoto's email to the cryptography mailing list announcing Bitcoin. But unlike Nakamoto, His Majesty's government provided no software, white paper, nor any kind of technical specification as to how such a monetary system could be made practical and workable. Unlike the cold precision of Satoshi's impersonal and dispassionate tone, His Majesty's government relied on appeal to authority and emotional manipulation of its subjects' sense of patriotism. Whereas Satoshi was able to launch the Bitcoin network in operational form a few months after its initial announcement, it took two world wars dozens of monetary conferences, multiple financial crises, and three generations of governments, bankers, and economists struggling to ultimately bring about a fully operable implementation of the fiat standard in 1971. Fifty years after taking its final form, and one century after its genesis, an assessment of the fiat system is now both possible and necessary.
Its longevity makes it unreasonable to keep dismissing the fiat system as an irredeemable fraud on the brink of collapse, as many of its detractors have done for decades. Many people at the end of their life today have never used anything but fiat money, and neither did their long-deceased parents. This cannot be written off as an unexplained fluke, and economists should be able to explain how this system functions and survives despite its many obvious flaws. There are, after all, plenty of markets around the world that are massively distorted by government interventions, but they nonetheless continue to survive. It is no endorsement of these interventions to attempt to explain how they persist. It is also not appropriate to judge fiat systems based on the marketing material of their promoters and beneficiaries in government-financed academia and the popular press. While the global fiat system so far avoided the complete collapse its detractors would predict, that cannot vindicate its promoters' advertising of it as a free lunch maker with no opportunity cost or consequence. More than 50 episodes of hyperinflation have taken place around the world using fiat monetary systems in the past century. Moreover, the global fiat system avoiding catastrophic collapse is hardly enough to make the case for it as a positive technological, economic, and social development. Between the relentless propaganda of its enthusiasts and the rabid venom of its detractors, this book attempts to offer something new. An exploration of the fiat monetary system as a technology. From an engineering and functional perspective, outlining its purposes and common failure modes, and deriving the wider economic, political, and social implications of its use. I believe that adopting this approach to writing the Bitcoin standard contributed to making it the best-selling book on Bitcoin to date, helping hundreds of thousands of readers across more than 20 languages understand the significance and implications of Bitcoin. Rather than focus on the details of how Bitcoin operates, I chose to focus on why it operates the way it does and what the implications are. If you have read the Bitcoin Standard and enjoyed my exploration of Bitcoin, I hope you will enjoy this exploration of the operation of fiat. Perhaps counterintuitively, I believe that by first understanding the operation of Bitcoin, you can then better understand the equivalent operations in fiat. It is easier to explain an abacus to a computer user than it is to explain a computer to an abacus user. A more advanced technology performs its functions more productively and efficiently, allowing a clear exposition of the mechanisms of the simpler technology and exposing its weaknesses. For the reader who has become familiar with the operation of Bitcoin, a good way to understand the operation of fiat is by drawing analogy to the operation of Bitcoin using concepts like mining, nodes, balances, and proof-of-work. My aim is to explain the operation and engineering structure of the fiat monetary system and how it operates in reality, away from the naive romanticism of governments and banks who have benefited from this system for a century. The first seven chapters of the Bitcoin Standard explained the history and function of money and its importance to the economic order. With that foundation laid, 
The final three chapters introduced Bitcoin, explaining its operation and elaborated on how its operation relates to the economic questions discussed in the earlier chapters. My motivation as an author was to allow readers to understand how Bitcoin operates and its monetary significance without requiring them to have a previous background in economics or digital currencies. Had Bitcoin not been invented, the first seven chapters of the Bitcoin standard could have served as an introduction to explaining the operation of the fiat monetary system. This book picks up where chapter seven of the Bitcoin standard left off. The first chapters of this book are modeled on the last three chapters of the Bitcoin standard, except applied to fiat money. How does the fiat system actually function in an operational sense? The success of Bitcoin in operating as a bare-bones and standalone free market monetary system helps elucidate the properties and functions necessary to make a monetary system function. Bitcoin was designed by a software engineer who boiled a monetary system down to its essentials. These choices were then validated by a free market of millions of people around the world who continue to use this system and currently entrust it to hold more than $300 billion of their wealth. The fiat monetary system, by contrast, has never been put on a free market for its users to pass the only judgment that matters on it. The all-too-frequent systemic collapses of the fiat monetary system are arguably the true market judgment emerging after suppression by governments. With Bitcoin showing us how an advanced monetary system can function entirely independent of government control, we can see clearly the properties required for a monetary system to operate on the free market, and in the process, better understand fiat's modes of operations, and all-too-frequent modes of failure. While fiat systems have not won acceptance on the free market, and though their failings and limitations are many, there is no denying the fact that many fiat systems have worked for large parts of the last century and facilitated an unfathomably large number of transactions and trades all around the world. Its continued operation makes understanding it useful, particularly as we still live in a world that runs on fiat. Just because you may be done with fiat does not mean that fiat is done with you. Understanding how the fiat standard works and how it frequently fails is essential knowledge for being able to navigate it. The syllabus for my new online economics course, Principles of Economics, is now available on safedean.com. The course will take place over 18 lectures, each based on one chapter from my new book, Principles of Economics, which will be available for free as an ebook for everyone registering for the course. Lectures will be released once every two weeks on Mondays, starting on the 25th of September, 2023, and will be available in video and audio format. Live discussion seminars will be held once a week on Thursdays at alternating time slots, 12 hours apart, to ensure learners can attend from all over the world. I'm happy to announce that I have set up my new publishing house and online bookstore, The Safe House, which will be publishing and delivering the best Bitcoin and Austrian economics books worldwide in hardcover, audiobook, and ebook formats. 
Go to thesafehouse.com to buy my latest book, Principles of Economics, as well as the Fiat Standard and the Bitcoin Standard. And now I'm also publishing Fiat Food, Matthew Lishak's amazing investigation into how inflation ruined our diet and health. And I'm also publishing Lynn Alden's Broken Money, her masterful exploration of the failures of the global financial system and how Bitcoin fixes it. This is a Bitcoiner's bookshop, so the books are printed in beautiful cloth hardcover made to last with an ice-colored dust jacket on top. Go to thesafehouse.com and get yours now. To begin, it's important to understand that the fiat system was not a carefully, consciously, or deliberately designed financial operating system like Bitcoin. Rather, it evolved through a complex process of compromise between political constraints and expedience. The next chapter illustrates this by examining newly released historical documents on just how the fiat standard was born and how it replaced the gold standard beginning in England in the early 20th century and completing the transition in 1971 across the Atlantic. This is not a history book, however, and it will not attempt a full historical account of the development of the fiat standard over the past century. In the same way that the Bitcoin standard did not delve too deeply into the study of the historical development of the Bitcoin software protocol. The focus of the first part of the book will be on the operation and function of the fiat monetary system by making analogy to the operation of the Bitcoin network in what might be called a comparative study of the economics of different monetary engineering systems. Chapter 3 examines the underlying technology behind the fiat standard. Contrary to what the name suggests, modern fiat money is not conjured out of thin air through government fiat. Government does not just print currency and hand it out to a society that accepts it as money. Modern fiat money is far more sophisticated and convoluted in its operation. The fundamental engineering feature of the fiat system is that it treats future promises of money as if they were as good as present money because the government guarantees these promises. While such an arrangement would not survive in the free market, the coercion of government can maintain it for a very long time. Government can meet any present financial obligations by diverting them onto future taxpayers or onto current fiat holders through taxes or inflation. And further, through legal tender laws, government can prevent any alternatives to its money from gaining traction. By leveraging their monopoly on the legal use of violence to meet present financial obligations from potential future income, government fiat makes debt into money, forces its acceptance across society, and prevents it from collapsing. Chapter 4 examines how the fiat network's native tokens come into existence using fiat's antiquated and haphazard version of mining. As fiat money is credit, credit creation in a fiat currency results in the creation of new money, which means that lending is the fiat version of mining. Fiat miners are the financial institutions capable of generating fiat-based debt, with guarantees from the government and or central banks. Unlike with Bitcoin's difficulty adjustment, fiat has no mechanisms for controlling issuance. Credit money instead causes constant cycles of expansion and contraction in the money supply, with eventual devastating consequences, as this chapter examines. 
Chapter 5 explains the topography of the fiat network, which is centered around its only full node, the U.S. Federal Reserve. The Fed is the only institution that can validate or refuse any transaction on any layer of the network. Another 200 or so central bank nodes are spread around the world, and these have geographic monopolies on financial and monetary services, where they regulate and manage tens of thousands of commercial bank nodes worldwide. Unlike with Bitcoin, the incentive for running a fiat node is enormous. Chapter 6 then analyzes balances on the fiat network and how fiat has the unique feature where many, if not most, users have negative account balances. The enormous incentive to mine fiat by issuing debt means individuals, corporations, and governments all face a strong incentive to get into debt. The monetization and universalization of debt is also a war on savings and one which governments have persecuted stealthily and mostly quite successfully against their citizens over the last century. Based on this analysis, Chapter 7 concludes the first section of the book by discussing the uses of fiat and the problems it solves. The two obvious uses of fiat are that it allows for government to easily finance itself and that it allows banks to engage in maturity mismatching and fractional reserve banking while largely protected from the inevitable downside. But the third use of fiat is the one that has been the most important to its survival, saleability across space. From the outset, I will make a confession to the reader. Attempting to think of the fiat monetary system in engineering terms and trying to understand the problem it solves have resulted in giving me an appreciation of its usefulness and a less harsh assessment of the motives and circumstances which led to its emergence. Understanding the problem this fiat system solves makes the move from the gold standard to the fiat standard appear less outlandish and insane than it had appeared to me while writing the Bitcoin standard. As a hard money believer who could see nothing good or reasonable about the move to an easier money. Seeing that the analytical framework of the Bitcoin standard was built around the concept of saleability across time and the ability of money to hold its value into the future and the implications of that to society, the fiat standard initially appears as a deliberate, nefarious conspiracy to destroy human civilization. But writing this book and thinking very hard about the operational reality of fiat has brought into sharper focus the property of saleability across space, and in the process made the rationale for the emergence of the fiat standard clearer and more comprehensible. For all its many failings, there is no escaping the conclusion that the fiat standard was indeed a solution to a real and debilitating problem with the gold standard, namely its low spatial saleability. More than any conspiracy, the limited spatial saleability of gold as global trade advanced allowed the survival of the fiat standard for so long, making its low temporal saleability a tolerable problem and allowing governments worldwide tremendous leeway to bribe their current citizens at the expense of their future citizens by creating the easy fiat tokens that operate their payment networks. 
as we take stock of a whole century of operation for this monetary system. A sober and nuanced assessment can appreciate the significance of this solution for facilitating global trade, while also understanding how it has allowed the inflation that benefited governments at the expense of their future citizens. Fiat may have been a huge step backward in terms of its saleability across time, but it was a substantial leap forward in terms of saleability across space. Having laid out the mechanics for the operation of fiat in the first section, the book's second section, Fiat Life, examines the economic, societal, and political implications of a society utilizing such a form of money with uncertain and usually poor intertemporal saleability. This section focuses on analyzing the implications of two economic causal mechanisms of fiat money. The utilization of debt as money and the ability of government to grant this debt at essentially no cost. Fiat increasingly divorces economic reward from economic productivity and instead bases it on political allegiance. This attempted suspension of the concept of opportunity cost makes fiat a revolt against the natural order of the world, in which humans and all other animals have to struggle against scarcity every day of their lives. Nature provides humans with reward only when their toil is successful, and similarly, markets only reward humans when they are able to produce something that others value subjectively. After a century of economic value being assigned at the point of a gun, these indisputable realities of life are unknown to or denied by huge swaths of the world's population who look to their government for their salvation and sustenance. The suspension of the normal workings of scarcity through government diktat has enormous implications on individual time preference and decision making, with important consequences to many facets of life. In the second section of the book, we explore the impacts of fiat to family, food, education, science, health, fuels, and security. While the title of the book refers to fiat, this really is a book about Bitcoin, and the first two sections build up the analytical foundation for the main course, that is, the third part of the book, examining the all-too-important question with which the Bitcoin standard leaves the reader. What will the relationship between fiat and Bitcoin be in the coming years? Chapter 16 examines the specific properties of Bitcoin that make it a potential solution to the problems of fiat. While the Bitcoin standard focused on Bitcoin's intertemporal saleability, the fiat standard examines how Bitcoin's saleability across space is the mechanism that makes it a more serious threat to fiat than gold and other physical monies with low spatial saleability. Bitcoin's high saleability across space allows us to monetize a hard asset itself and not credit claims on it, as was the case with the gold standard. At its most basic, Bitcoin increases humanity's capacity for long-distance international settlement by around 500,000 transactions a day and completes that settlement in a few hours. This is an enormous upgrade over gold's capacity 
and makes international settlement a far more open market, much harder to monopolize. This also helps understand Bitcoin's value proposition as not just in being harder than gold, but also in traveling much faster. Bitcoin effectively combines gold's saleability across time with fiat's saleability across space in one apolitical, immutable, open-source package. By being a hard asset, Bitcoin is also debt-free, and its creation does not incentivize the creation of debt. By offering finality of settlement every 10 minutes, Bitcoin also makes the use of credit money very difficult. At each block interval, the ownership of all Bitcoins is confirmed by tens of thousands of nodes all over the world. There can be no authority whose fiat can make good a broken promise to deliver a Bitcoin by a certain block time. Financial institutions that engage in fractional reserve banking in a Bitcoin economy will always be under the threat of a bank run as long as no institution exists that can conjure present Bitcoin at significantly lower than the market rate, as governments are able to do with their fiat. Chapter 17 discusses Bitcoin scaling in detail and argues it will likely happen through second-layer solutions, which will be optimized for speed, high volume, and low cost, but involve trade-offs in security and liquidity. Chapter 18 builds on this analysis to discuss what banking would look like under a Bitcoin standard, while Chapter 19 discusses how savings would work under such a system. Chapter 20 studies Bitcoin's energy consumption, how it is related to Bitcoin's security, and how it can positively impact the market for energy worldwide. With this foundation, the book can tackle the question, how can Bitcoin rise in the world of fiat? And what are the implications for these two monetary standards coexisting? Chapter 21 analyzes different scenarios in which Bitcoin continues to grow and thrive, while Chapter 22 examines scenarios where Bitcoin fails. This is the first chapter in Saifedean's forthcoming book, The Fiat Standard. Subscribe to receive all forthcoming chapters as well as chapters from Principles of Economics and full access to Saifedean's four online courses.